Hello, my name is Anna, and if you're into scary stories and creepy real-life happenings, then I think you will love my podcast. Let me tell you a scary story. Join me every week as I read to you stories of the paranormal that actually happen to ordinary people. These are things that can't be explained and don't always make much sense, and they are sure to intrigue and to give you the shivers. So join me on your favourite podcast listening platform and let me tell you a scary story. Welcome to episode 68, M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I, Mississippi. M-I, crooked letter, crooked letter, I, crooked letter, crooked letter, I, P-P-P-I, Mississippi. Tonight we're going to be discussing the paranormal potpourri of Natchez Trace. That's a excellent, uh, excellent opening, sir. Thank you, sir. And then get into the Pascagoula alien abduction. Pascagoula? Pascagoula. Uh, Anybody ever heard of Pascagoula from the Mississippi Squirrel Revival by Mr. Ray Stevens? Not me, no. That's where I learned the name Pascagoula. Well, I kid you not. You're going to learn something else about Pascagoula tonight. I'm looking forward to it. This is your host, Chris, and looking at me right now, telling me about the history of Ray Stevens is co-host James. What's up, brother? And how's everybody doing this evening? Hope you're all doing well. Yes. Um, Staying safe and staying inside away from these high-ass gas prices, but that's another story. (laughs) But uh, let's go ahead and get into the Natchez Trace, because you were telling me off air that it's got all kinds of shit going on, so I'm very interested it, to hear what's what's happening on this trace. It's a definite hodgepodge, my brother. All right, road warriors. Now, when it comes to a buffet of the strange and scary, our point of interest this week takes us to the Woodland Parkway near Natchez, Mississippi. It's a long trail, now a parkway, which means big-ass highway, unfortunately, <laughs> that extends from Natchez all the way up to Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah, my sister lives there. So Natchez is a city in Mississippi? Natchez is a little town in Mississippi. Okay, That is correct. But our focus this week is on the legends and lore that lurk on this trail and some of the strange stories that it has to tell. I mean, we're talking ghosts, witches, murderous land pirates, gravesites, and monsters. Can't beat that. That's right. Veritable <laughs> smorgasbord. Yes, sir. I mean, this this place was crazy. I had to condense my research because it was just so much. Wow. It was okay. absolutely nuts. Nice. But, hey, that's the way I like it. Rather have too much than not enough. Amen. Now, dating back thousands of years, back to the days of the Mississippi Mound Builders, going back up to about 12,000 years ago, is when it first, you know, people first settled into what is now Mississippi. Up until about 1700 AD, earth mound construction was used heavily starting around 400 BC. 
Although construction in the area in later years would level some of these places, which is a shame, there are still some along that trail that can be seen. I use the word trail in this because most of this revolves around when it was more of a wagon trail, dirt trail, okay, all gotcha. this. Okay. Now, there are still a lot of the original trail, but it's a highway too. Ah, okay. Okay, so there's Un- a lot of traffic on there right now. Unfortunately. Okay. Now, with a long history, you can bet there were some pretty cool stories and legends that were born. How about we start with the first actual documented serial killers in our country's history? Now, although they did not originate in this area, this is basically where they ended up. So, it's it, I counted it because these guys were jerks. Okay. According to records, the vicious Harp brothers, also known as Little and Big, you know, they called themselves, they, they were actually cousins, but they called themselves brothers for okay. some reason. Mm-hmm. And they passed themselves off as such. Their names were Willie and Micaiah. William and Micaiah Harp. William, Willie and Micaiah Harp. All right. They were actual real blood cousins. So They were sons of Scottish immigrants back before the Revolutionary War, and they were very mean and horrible men with no regard for anyone in their path and notoriously brutal to women. You know, they'd walk up, slap them in public and stuff like that. They're, they're, they're part of the slap a hoe tribe? They kind of slap <laughs> <laughs> Now, unfortunately, and it figures, they were seeking work as, a sla- as slave overseers around the North Carolina area in 1775 when their, when their uh, what did I say, their endeavors were so rudely erupted by this little thing we call a revolutionary war. Oh, that little thing? Yeah, it kind of ruined their career plans, you know. But being the bastards they were, they sided with the British and performed acts of sabotage, rape, pillaging, and murder on behalf of the British Empire. Seemingly more interested in criminal enterprise than any sense of patriotic duty because they were going beyond, you know. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. After cutting a path of criminal activity through the South, they eventually ended up on the Natchez Trail at the end of their pathetic, murderous lives. Micaiah Harp was shot in the leg and back by John Leeper, whose posse soon caught up with him and pulled him from his horse, subduing the outlaw with a tomahawk in a scuffle. A scuffle? Ain't no justice like posse justice, man. (laughs) Nope. Now, while Harp was still breathing and conscious, Moses Stegwell slowly cut the outlaw's head off. Damn! So so ends Big Harp. He he done. So Micaiah was big. Okay, got it. He's it. In January 1804, Little Harp was captured and beheaded and his head put high on a stake along the trail to warn other would-be bandits that they'd better think twice before attacking anyone along the trail ever again. Kind of like Old Britain. You know, they did that too. Oh, yeah. Cut mm-hmm. people's bodies in quarter. They did that with William Wallace and all that stuff. Left them out there to hang, that's right. Yep. All told, they stole relentlessly raped an untold number of women, and killed a documented 39 to 50 people. How many undocumented, no one will ever know, because I looked. But 39 to 50 was about their best guess. That's a pretty good... uh, But I'm sure there were plenty more. It's a heavy hitter right there. Yeah. There were no cell phones back then, so I'm sure they did more. (laughs) (laughs) They weren't taking selfies. Yeah. Now, another bandit known to operate on the trail, and also in cahoots with the Hart brothers, slash cousins, on occasion, was Samuel Wolfman Mason. And I looked up a picture of this guy, and he looks the part. I mean, this guy is shaggy. 
you know, he was also a murderous pig and rapist. And I'm happy to say, like likewise beheaded as uh, his buddy. Um, <laughs> they were actually, he was actually killed with Little Harp. Oh, wow. And hung and his head was on there and on a stick next to his on nice. the trail. So I love it. And before these animals were disposed of, however, it is said there is an enormous amount of their plunder buried somewhere along the trail. So, uh, so along with treasure from the Civil War era and tons of pirate loot brought down the Mississippi River. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Get those metal detectors out and do a little treasure hunting. You never know what you might come across. <laughs> I mean, I might shoot if I go down that way. Go for it. Now, the place notoriously has been nicknamed the Devil's Backbone because of its history due, you know, due to its long, violent past. Uh, but it wasn't just murderous thieves that garnered this name. There are also graves of Civil War soldiers all along this road, some marked, some unmarked, and they had pictures of them. Just <laughs> gravestones right alongside the trails, just out there in the middle of nowhere. You know, and... Um, and it's also said that the place is riddled with ghost sightings and the sounds of battle. You know, you can hear sounds of battle on the wind. Uh, some say you can even smell gunpowder and sometimes blood. And, of course, you hear screams from the dying. You Creepy. Know. Love it. Yeah. This cool. is not the first time I've heard this. You know, I've been to Gettysburg. Uh, we didn't pick nothing up there. but And even the nearby Vicksburg battlefield, which is in Mississippi, mm -hmm. uh, have similar tales of sightings gunpowder smell battle noises screams it's uh it's pretty nuts yeah you know, of course of course there's, there's a lot of a, uh, a lot of uh tension and drama that happened on the field a lot of emotion on yeah. those, uh, during those battles so that's going to leave an imprint on that land indeed it is now we have another real winner here his name was joseph thompson Hare, another outlaw and before his death in 1818 imparted tales of supernatural imparted tales of the supernatural saying that he witnessed apparitions and even a ghostly white phantom horse on the trail. But, uh, he was also a piece of shit. So his connection to this place does not end there. Unfortunately, it is said he grew distrustful of his girlfriend at one point and without proof, apparently buried her alive somewhere along the trail. And now she's said to also haunt Whoa. the area. Yeah, Neat. what a jackass. Yeah, what an ass. Problem ass. is, he didn't die. He died of old age. Oh, he buried Lord. her, and before he croaked, he told people about it. Damn. You know, but I put, you know. Now, so, so folks, have you had enough? <laughs> <laughs> no, keep going. Not me. Let's add to the fact that there were and possibly might still be witches in the area. Located at milepost 233.2.2 gallon. <laughs> The witch dance is definitely one of the creepiest spots along the Natchez Trace. Aptly named, it was once frequently used by witches who used, who used the area to perform ceremonial dances. It is said that whenever their feet would touch the ground while dancing, the grass under their feet would die, never to grow again. That's whack. That's all that witch's fungus. Yeah, these inexplicable barren patches remain to this day, but that's not all. Many claim that if you visit the area when there's a full moon, oh God, of course, it's got to be a full moon. Of course it is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chanting and beating on drums can be heard echoing through the woods. Hence of the, uh, 
the, the Hawaiian Night Stalkers, the Night Walk, you know, those Night Stalkers. Yeah, jeez. Yeah, Just some old ladies butt naked in the woods doing their yep. chanting. Now, for you brave types out there, myself included, if you are really feeling brave and want to get your paranormal on, they have taken the time to build a campground in the area. So you can actually go camp right there where nice. witches dance. Cool. Happens. Yeah, let's do it. Now, they say it's possible they still do that today, you know, but they don't know. But this oh, was. Yeah. I mean, there's covens all over, so yeah. Now, add to all this good stuff murderers, witches, is the Chatawa monster. Now, although he doesn't exclusively hang there, sometimes he's said to be spotted in this area. He's basically the Mississippi Bigfoot. Okay, okay. The, Chata- gotcha. the Chatawa monster. Yeah. All right. Now, um,. Originally, he was up around the Pike County area, but the story goes a vicious half-man, half-ape creature was on a sideshow train in a circus. <laughs> and he was, oh, of course. And he was so freaking mean, he had to be put in his own steel car, and he could not be put near humans nor animals because he would attempt to always kill them or harm them. In true Final Destination fashion, the train derailed and everyone and most of the animals were killed. Only the beast and a few monkeys actually survived, which reminds me of a book that I read when I was a kid, but it has nothing to do with monsters. Okay. It was a train wreck and a bunch of monkeys got loose. It's yeah, called yeah, yeah. Somewhere of the Monkeys. Uh-huh. It's a great damn book. It's hilarious. Now, back to the subject in hand. He was spotted about two weeks after the wreck, and an attempt to recapture him was made, but they failed. Now, be that as it may, sightings of a large, hairy creature near the swamps still persist to this day. I like that. Man, what a ride this would be. You know, these occurrences were just in Mississippi alone. Imagine what may have gone on all the way up this trail to Nashville. You know, this stuff was just in Mississippi. It goes through parts of uh, Alabama, yeah. mm-hmm. and it goes all the way up into Miss- in Tennessee. So, man, I- I'd love to be able to run this thing. We may have to uh, visit those at some point in yep. future episodes. Well, that's what I was just about to say. When You know, when I get up, when we get to Tennessee, I thought I might try to cover the Tennessee half of this trail and yeah. see what's just going on up there, if there's anything interesting. Right, of course. It. But like I said, brother, all I know is it might be time to take a ride along the Natchez Trail for sure. I mean, what do you think? I think, like, there's multiple places we could stop and just camp. I mean, we can check out the area where the, the killers were beheaded. Yes. Check, check out the area where the, the witches dance. I wouldn't mind seeing some naked-ass witches dancing. We even have the mile marker, man. And the, the mile marker, that's right, yeah. And then where the, where the Bigfoot I mean, this thing has, like, so much going on in just a small stretch of road in And I condensed it, dude. Yeah. I really did. I had to condense it down because I didn't want to talk for like five hours on this you can stuff. talk as long as you want, man. I know, but yeah. Yeah, next but time. But anyway, but you know what I mean. All. But you know what I mean. All yeah. Right. I gave you a basic summary of everything that happens along this patch in Mississippi. Right. So it's out there. Yeah, It's just right. time to go get it. That's all right, man. That's Put that on the list of all the other places we got to go visit on our... <laughs> eventual road trip now what i call it what i call our lottery road trip we yeah. hit the lottery we get that double decker bus with full sleeping quarters mm-hmm. a private chef and a driver and, and, and can afford the gas and gold toilets i was gonna say yeah i mean first we couldn't go because the pandemic now we can't go because of high gas so we're gonna have to wait for all this to pass <laughs> and then maybe in the year 2025 20 
39 probably will be able to actually go on this because we'll probably still be doing this I'm show sure we will. There's, as long there's, as i'm breathing there's a lot in america we have to cover so yes sir yeah all right man well let's go ahead and take a break and then when we get back we will talk about the pascagoula river aliens man i am looking forward to that Productions aren't that obscure. They're actually quite well known. They've been around for uh, going on 40, 40 years. I ain't heard of them. I should take it back fifty years. Uh, you ain't heard of them, but like no, they've, sir. they've been on other podcasts. They, they, the, the people who, one of the individuals who was there wrote a book about it. It's been on a couple different shows. Um, but the reason I chose it was because of how unusual the alien descriptions were. Yeah, they look like they were described as the descriptions of them were different from pretty much any other alien abductions that we've at least covered or that I've heard of um, before. Very cool. And so that in itself is a unique feature that I, I figured we might as well cover them. But I freaking love alien stories anyway. I, I love weird. Like when we covered the, um, what's his name? Uh, Bozak who, who yeah. came across a, a cow looking alien in, in a UFO. The pancake eating. My- yeah. <laughs> Like, I, I love these weird, like, I love these weird, unusual UFO abduction or encounter cases because there are so many cases of the usual typical grays or exactly. the Nordics or, or the, the browns, or the, you know, browns. the big tall brown ones, yeah, right, or the um, the the, the insect or the reptilians, the reptilians, stories yeah. all over those, but these other ones like this one, the the Flatwoods monster, all just have this unique look to them. Yep. That, as far as I know, hasn't been spotted again. So it's like a one-time thing, and it's just it's fascinating. Awesome. So before I begin, let me just let you know the the most information from this uh, for this story came from an interview uh, with one of the abductees, Calvin Parker, that was uh, recorded in the uh, Country Road magazine online by Alexandra Kennan on September twenty first, twenty twenty one. So it was just oh, last recent? year, that, just last year that they did the interview Damn, with him. Yeah, I like that. Which means there's still hope, folks. Yes, there is. If you haven't been abducted by aliens, they're still no. doing it. Now, the, the abduction didn't happen in 2021, but the interview with the abductee happened in 2021. Ah. The abduction happened in 73. Oh, rats. But this interview that I'm pulling from happened in 2021, which means that one of the two is still alive. Gotcha. The Pascagoula River is the largest undammed river in the contiguous 48 states and is also known as the Singing River. There is a spot located on US 90 between Biloxi, Mississippi and Mobile, Alabama. And in the late summer and autumn months, a sound can be heard in the evening, a sound that's similar to a swarm of, a swarm of bees flying down the river. Wow. Now, as one sits there and listens, the sound grows nearer and louder until it sounds like it's coming from directly in front of the listener. Yeesh. According to legend, the sounds are the death chants of the Pascagoula Indian tribe who sang while walking hand in hand into yep. the river 
to avoid fighting with the invading Biloxi tribe. Yep, I, re- I remember reading about that. I oh, did really? know about that. I, I knew where it got its name, and I was going to interject if you didn't yeah. say. Yeah. But you did. But I covered it. Yeah, Outstanding, it's Awesome. Sir. But on the evening of October 11th, 1973, so I was not yet a twinkle in my daddy's eye. No, when I was six. You were six. All right. Just a little over six. Calvin Parker, who was 19 at the time, and Charles Hickson, 42, went out fishing on the Pascagoula River for a night of fishing and relaxation. Yeah, 42, he did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. What actually occurred that night has become so infamous that the Pascagoula City government has dedicated a historical marker for the event. The city government. Near the boathouse, the boat launches at Lighthouse Park. So you can go there now okay. and see the historical marker for this event. Ah, there you go. Point of interest. Now, Parker but was... Don't... Yeah, there you go. Point of interest. Yeah, Plug. another another park, another uh, right. check mark on our road trip. Another check mark. Yes, sir. Now, Parker was a simple man with simple goals. He stated, quote, I wanted to get married, have children, wanted to have grandchildren, wanted to buy a house, retire, and fish. Parker had just started a job at F.B. Walker & Sons Shipyard when his foreman, Hickson, who also got him the job, asked if he wanted to go fishing after work. You want to go fishing? You want to go get some catfish? Go catfish noodling? I would never do that. That's Forget that. Parker <laughs> had just moved into town and didn't have his fishing gear with him, so Hickson loaned some of his own. They arrived at the West Bank, and after being attacked by swarms of bugs, they decided to move it down to the shipyard, which had fewer lights and less bugs. Mississippi River, shitload of even, bugs. Even in October, there's a lot of bugs. Hey, I, I've been to, I've been to Mississippi a few times. Yeah. I was there at Camp Shelby for uh-huh. my for uh, I was there twice. Oh right for for uh, for my for uh, training NCO training. Yeah yeah yeah. And so you know, man, ugh, just full of bugs, bugs, snakes. Oh, <laughs> sounds like fun. Hey, well, I ignored it while I was there, but yeah, it was there. <laughs> now the shipyard had posted signs. All over, but Hickson had told Parker not to worry as he fished there all the time. They walked down a pier, cast their lines, and prepared themselves for a relaxing evening. Some point during the night, the two men noticed blue, hazy lights coming from behind. Parker states, quote, When I noticed the blue, hazy lights coming in from behind, you could see the reflection across the water. I turned to Charlie and said, We in trouble. Exactly how I read it. We in trouble. You lied to me and we fixing to go to jail. <laughs> we fixing to. We fixing to. That's we right. Fixing. But when the men turned around, they were shocked not to see the police, but instead a long, ovular craft floating about two feet from the ground, emitting a bright light. Oh, damn. At that point, they probably wish it was the police. Yeah. They said it was 30 to 40 feet across and 8 to 10 feet high with a dome on top. Suddenly, a door opened on the craft and three... Strange creatures walked out of the doorway towards them. I, I just, I, I got to do this. Earth creature. <laughs> Earth Where's creatures. Where's my plutonium? That's right. Where's my pure 38 explosive <laughs> space modulator? Where's the kaboom? It's supposed That's to be right. earth shattering kaboom. <laughs> <laughs> your, uh, your Marvin's better I, than mine. I just had to do it. Parker and Hickson were paralyzed. Their hope for escape dashed when they watched in horror as the three aliens came toward them. Oh, damn. The aliens looked strange and had pincer-type claws for hands. Furthermore, 
They used these claws to grab Parker and Hickson and pulled him into the spacecraft. Oh, shit. And they got, they got zapped and paralyzed. Zapped eh? and par- that's oh. what it seems like, yeah. Uh, quote, there were three bulky-looking creatures. I still don't know what they were that was coming toward us. By the time they got to us, I still couldn't see for the light was so bright. He described two of the creatures grabbing Hickson and one grabbing him, quote, and that's when they carried me aboard the craft, end quote. Yeesh. Parker said the creature stopped at the door and injected him with what he described as a quote-unquote go-to-hell shot. Oh, damn. Whatever it was ushered him from absolute terror to a sort of peaceful apathy. Quote, I didn't care what happened then, end quote. <laughs> now, the, the, I showed this to you earlier, but the artist's rendition of the creatures yes. is very strange. They're very tall. Uh, they had, like I said, pincers for hands. They were yep. described as white. Yep. And they have these weird sort of um, like like four like antennae coming from not the top of their heads, but like from the face, the sides, and the back. Wow. And it, it looks like almost like, what did you say it looked like? Well, the head looks like a roughneck helmet. If there anybody knows what an oil fill worker roughneck helmet looks mm-hmm. like, it's like domed and like a brim, and then it came right into the yeah. way their face was. Mm-hmm. And then they yeah. had these weird two large two-toed feet. And yeah. they were very, very sort of... of, of um, Upside down, no, like a triangle shape because they were yeah. they were pointed on top and then they went down to like a slope sort of. But yeah, they're absolutely atypical of anything you've seen. Yes, yes. You know when it comes to the typical alien sighting. Right, very very strange looking, and, yeah. and of course that will be the uh, the picture on the the. Absolutely, so got to be the picture. Yeah, yeah, it's it's weird. So Parker described being taken aboard the craft down a hallway and into a room where the creature placed him on an examination table made entirely of glass. According to Parker, at that point, the gray wrinkled creature that brought him on board uh, board the ship left the room. Quote, that's when something came out of the ceiling about the size of a deck of cards. Oh, shit. You know what's going to happen. <laughs> he said the square-shaped object circled him, making a series of clicking noises. <laughs> Uh-oh. Better pre- prepare that anus, buddy. That's right. Quote, I never thought about it until here lately. <laughs> okay here it comes here it comes but it it was like this mri i was in except the click wasn't that loud parker explained and then it shot back up into the ceiling you know i don't know if you ever if you ever saw um flight of navigator uh yeah but it's been ages anyway the, the 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 little alien eye thing that um, Paul Rubens play, does a voice for, that's what it reminds me of. Because it's like this little tiny thing that goes around and around. And it, gotcha. Yeah, it looks like an eyeball. Then, a smaller being entered the room, which Parker said made him feel more at ease. He couldn't move his body, but rolled his head toward the creature. Quote, she was normal. End quote. Matter of fact, if I'd see, been in a bar room drinking or something and was single, you know, at that time. Oh. I'd have probably asked her out on a date. And so, oh, so he'd hit that. He'd hit that. That's how, okay. that's how normal she looked. She looked like a normal human. Isn't she lovely? Hmm? <laughs> Calm down, Marvin. Calm down. <laughs> it looked just like a human, he explained, except for its middle fingers. Her two middle fingers were real long, longer than an average person's would be. Those are what they call probing fingers. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was about to say, man. Yeah. Those are... Uh... That's a prostate examination time. (laughs) She's a doctor. Yep. Parker recalled that without saying a word, the creature put its left hand on his jaw and opened his mouth. That's when she took her right hand and started running it down my throat and I started gagging. Ay, ay, ay. 
No, she's, she's doing the probing the wrong way. You don't yeah. do it. You do it in the butt, not in the mouth. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> she had scratched it up real bad, and it was bleeding. It was a darn mess. It pulled the tan back out. Parker had the impression that it didn't want to hurt him anymore. Then it made a groan from deep within its throat. He said, quote, I don't know if you've ever heard an alligator's mating call where the vibrate where they vibrate the whole air around you, but that's how it sounded. Really? Yeah, I'm gonna try and find one and I'll insert it here. Okay. So that's what an alligator mating call sounds like. Yeah. That's when the creature that Parker said initially brought him aboard the craft. Quote, I really believe to this day that it was a robot, he later added, returned and uh, carried him back to the bank of the river. Danger, danger. Quote, that's where the story really starts, he says. And that, and then my life turned pretty much to hell right after that, end quote. Oh, shit. Parker, in an apparent state of shock, stood nearby with his arms raised in the air. His screams startled Hickson, who stood nearby. Hickson grabbed Parker and they ran for help. Help for what? First of all, if you take off running, you ain't turning around and going the fuck back. <laughs> You're leaving the area. Bye. Well, that's, that's where they're going. They're going to get help, going in the truck and then get, get some sheriffs. But they're gone. Yeah. Parker said his first instinct, which Hickson initially agreed with, was to not tell anyone about what happened to yeah, them. Didn't they see War of the Worlds? Don't piss them off. They might have. I don't know. Well, maybe they didn't see it back then. That was 1938. Or yeah. 48, excuse me. So they, they maybe they weren't sci-fi fans. Uh, who knows? You know, if they're fishing guys, they might not be sci-fi fans. I ain't seen it. Shaken and in shock, the men returned to their car to find the passenger door window shattered, though still in place in the frame. You telling me they tried to jack their car? Yeah, aliens, man. Yeah, they tried to that hotwire their shit. Was, yeah, well, I mean, they wanted to take the car. They couldn't do it, and they busted it. Like, oh, shit, we busted this window. Let's leave. Don't, oh. <laughs> don't leave a note. We don't have insurance. <laughs> when they opened it, the glass fell out. Parker said that the car, which was relatively new and had never previously had issues starting, failed to start several times before it finally cranked the motor sounding rough. Electromagnetic interference. Electromagnetic? Electromag word. Electromagnetic interference. That's probably. exactly what it was. From, from the ship. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like a, like a force field or something. That's probably. It. On the drive back home, Hickson changed his mind. He thought they needed to tell someone about what happened to them, despite Parker's protests. So, Hickson dialed Kessler Air Force Base in Biloxi and briefly explained what happened to them before being told that they didn't handle UFO reports anymore. At that time, Project Blue Book had finished. They so said, in other words, somebody went, save it, fool. Yes, yeah, it's not my problem, man. No, we no. got bigger things going on. Another alien? Get. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> and to call the local authorities. At the Jackson County Sheriff's Department, the men were questioned separately about their experience, then put in a room together alone where they were secretly tape recorded. Those two, those, those two big ass two foot reels going around in a circle would give them away. Yeah, because in '73, <laughs> hit that starting recording. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not only that, but then like the, the room starts to heat up because it secretly generates recorded. so much heat. With the yeah. thing, man, it's getting hot as fuck in here. <laughs> Parker said that after the deputies listened to the secret tape recording, which he and Hickson didn't learn existed until much later, what? they took them more seriously. Parker urged the authorities not to tell anyone about what he and Hickson reported. Quote, I wasn't going to tell a soul, he emphasized, but when we got back to the shipyard the next day, they already knew. End quote. I want to ask real quick, uh, Mr. Chris. Yeah. 
what the hell is it with 1973, 74 era and UFOs every freaking Dude, where? the 70s is like... This is on the other end of the country from when you did Indiana. I know. I know. So, Se- and same, 70s, same time frame. I mean, Travis Walton was in 70s too, wasn't it? 70... I think 75? he was 75. Yeah. yeah. 70s were a huge, a huge decade for UFO sightings. I think... I, I mean, it was only 30... 30 years removed from, from the World War II and, and the, the two atomic bombs. Um, we were, in, I think we were, st- no, I think we were. Uh, and I we shall st- resist making my Spielberg reference. Yeah, because yeah, but we, we were still in the middle of a Cold War. But I, I think that's just, I think that's kind of when we started really, really ramping up the world technology. I suppose and so. And maybe that's when they were taking notice. Makes sense. Um, I don't know, but you're right. It's the 70s have so a lot of crazy UFO encounters. Hell yeah. Absolutely. When they got back to work at F.B. Walker and Sons shipyard, it was swarmed with news vans. Parker estimated that around 200 reporters were there hoping to talk to him and Hickson. It made big news. It made news like the, like the uh, yeah. Walton, Walton I one. guess it did, yeah. Mm-hmm. In addition to the reporters, astronomers and pioneering ufologists Dr. J. Allen Hynek and Dr. James Harder arrived in Pascagoula within 36 hours to interview and hypnotize Parker and Hickson. They got there... Super fast. You sure Parker and Hickson's names weren't changed to protect the innocent? No, they his were. name wasn't Russell Case. <laughs> no, that's their actual <laughs> names. Because <laughs> you know, when Russell was in the ship, the aliens molested him. Yes, sexually. I know that. Yes. Yeah, but, but they they didn't get molested sexually. They just got like a hand shoved down their throat. That was all. <laughs> now maybe in some countries that's a sexual move, but who knows? I guess. Heineck was the scientific advisor for three major UFO studies undertaken by the U.S. Air Force, Project Sign, Project Grudge, and, of course, Project Blue Book. Sweet. Quote, of course, I lost my job at the shipyard because people wouldn't leave me alone. End quote. He drove back home to Laurel, hoping to leave the events of October 11th behind in Pascagoula. And it started from there. It was just like a roller coaster. I went to work. The reporter would show up at work while I was working. And, you know... The people you work for, eventually they get tired of that. Yeah. So I'd lose another job, end quote. Yep. I see nothing. I know nothing. <laughs> now, eventually he did go by the name Randy. Randy. To, to avoid the constant barrage of press. <laughs> Randy. That's not a porn name. No, no, it's not. Well, I don't know. Maybe. I'm just kidding. It is. And that's, that's oh, like yeah. one of the big porn names of the 70s, for God's oh. sakes. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And quote. And that's where it went from there to hide. But this has followed me all my life, end quote. Of course, despite the sheriff's office secret tape recording, the multiple hypnosis sessions, and the polygraph tests backing up Parker and Hickson's story, many of even the men's own friends and family do not believe them. We took, quote, we took polygraph tests, voice stress tests, been hypnotized three times, had more credible witnesses than any case around, and more credible people talking, he said, but see, back in the 70s, people thought you was crazy to have done something or seen something like that. Yeah, quote. exactly. I fainted. I fainted. No, you That's didn't. Right. You're crazy. You're crazy. <laughs> Parker said that he isn't sure who believed him and who didn't at the time because he avoided talking about it for so long. Quote, one thing, my daddy-in-law didn't believe me when this first happened. He told my wife, quote, within a quote, you don't need to marry him, end quote, and all that stuff. That boy ain't right. Yeah. Bobby. (laughs) But he came back and apologized. He pulled me aside and said, son, I owe you an apology. I didn't believe you when this happened, but I've seen something since then and I believe it. 
Oh, so so daddy in law got a UFO experience too. Maybe he got throat fucked by an alien. <laughs> that's why he's like, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. It's more like, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> There's no doubt in my mind that this happened to you, end quote. Hickson, however, did not have trouble speaking about the event. He was older than Parker and more well known in the town. Yeah. However, Parker feared that the aliens had infected him and he went home and took a bath in bleach after the incident. Ooh. Don't do that. That's not good. The gargle? No, he, he liked the Ace Ventura thing. Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> Following the incident, Hickson gave interviews and lectures, appeared on television, including an episode of the game show To Tell the Truth. And in 1974, he claimed additional encounters with aliens. And in 1983, authored a self published book called UFO Contact at Pascagoula. Hmm. Parker later attended UFO conventions and in 1993, started a company called, quote-unquote, UFO Investigations to produce television stories about UFOs. I wonder if he's still alive. Parker is, yeah. Parker is. Yeah. Maybe we can drag his ass down here yeah. for an event. because the interview that I'm taking most of this from is from this past September. Oh, that's right. Hello. Yeah. Duh. Recently, though, more witnesses have come forward to corroborate what the men saw that night. Nice. Maria and Jerry Blair of Theodore, Alabama, waited in a parked car across the river for Jerry's boss. Jerry was scheduled to work that evening, and his boss was late. Quote, I was looking in the sky, and I noticed a blue light in the sky over where they were fishing, Maria said. It started moving, and it seemed like it was following along the Pascagoula River. I just saw the lights on it. It was going back and forth. Sometimes it would sit there, and it went on for about 20 to 25 minutes. Damn. A few minutes later, Maria hears something splash in the river. She ran over only to see something in the water. It saw her and then sank below the surface. See, that's just it. That white people. <laughs> Damn it, Whitey. Stop it. Well, that's peculiar. That's, I'm serious. I, I don't know what the hell it is about us white folks. <laughs> we hear we hear ghosts. We see ghoses. We run we to it. A, we don't UFO, run away. Yeah, yeah UFO. We hear noise. I, well, what the hell is that? Let me go take a look. I'm just going to see what that is. Maybe it's yep. got something for me. Yep. She believes it was indeed one of the aliens. Her husband did not see the thing in the water. Judy Branning and her three friends also saw the UFO. They feared coming forward after seeing how Parker and Hickson were treated in the news would would also follow them. Well, it would. Yes, it would. It would. It would. Yeah. They're, they're exactly right. Quote, it didn't make noise, she said. It had bright, bright lights. Ah, stealth mode. Hickson passed away in 2011. He was 42 after all at the time. Parkston retired at the age of 67 to Moss Point, Mississippi, saying, quote, so the retiring and fishing has come about, but it was a long battle to get there, end quote. But that night has never left him. Quote, it scared the living hell out of you. I still have a few nightmares about it. I really think that I was abducted by some kind of life form from another planet, end quote. And I believed a man. You know, they're, they're, from what I could tell, their story hasn't changed at all in the 50 years nope. since it happened. Um, he... As, as mentioned, he didn't have a really good reception to it at the beginning. Nope. They took a ton of different tests, you know, the stress test, the the hypnosis, the, yep. the poly, polygraphs, and they all passed. Um, there are a lot of people, there are a lot of skeptics out there, people from uh, like Joe Nickel from the Skeptical Magazine who, who write it off automatically as them being like drunk. Because there's a part in there that I didn't mention, but they, they mentioned that for for a good portion of it, they were like knocked out. Yeah. And they don't remember any of it. So, you know, they, they write it off as like, you know, um, 
what is it? What is it? The the hypnagogic state, basically. Okay. Yeah. And they were imagining things, um, but I mean, you have those other witnesses that came forward that saw a UFO on the exact same night, the exact yeah. same around the same time as the men saw and and saw the and and the creatures they saw. Um, at least I, I'll have to go back and look. I, I don't know my seventies uh, sci-fi television knowledge, but they don't look like anything they had in the seventies. No, it doesn't. Like no, there, there's a contention that Betty and Barney Hill, you know, who who were abducted, they, yeah. they saw gray. There's a contention that a few nights before their abduction, you know, Barney was watching uh, The Outer Limits and saw an alien on the show that kind of looked like it. Yeah. Maybe that's where he got it from. But as far as maybe you can fully tell me, in the seventies, was there were there any aliens on TV or movies that looked anything like the, the thing I showed you? No, the only thing on TV that even half alien looking was like the Slee Stack and stuff. Oh yeah, that's nothing even, like and, it. And unlike shows like Space nineteen ninety nine or Buck Rogers or anything, the aliens were obvious. Right. I mean, they weren't they weren't nothing like this, you know. Yeah. But. Uh, yeah, every most of the aliens looked human. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, so because of, because of budgetary constraints or exactly. Yeah, so and these things look like walking vegetables. Exactly, Star yeah. Trek, same stuff, just humanoid, just green skin or black yeah. and white or skin big or big giant heads or yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I completely, completely believe this happened. I think based on the evidence that I found, this is one of the most authentic. And craziest abduction stories I think we've ever uh, covered. Yep, and yeah. you know, and it's it, it's it's really really interesting, and I think that a lot of people who were abducted have no memory of it because they have that technology. They just scrub it. They scrub the memories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you never know, man. Yeah. That's a very cool story, dude. Cool, man. Thanks. Well, you know, I do know, I do know where they can people can find uh, more content from us. Yes, they can. And I think you know that too, right? I do know that, well, and I shall that. impart that. Folks, if you'd like to support the show, we'd sure appreciate it. Just go to www.patreon.com forward slash state of fear. Uh, it's seven bucks. It's called The Road Warrior. Um, you can also go check out our Buy Me a Coffee. It's in our link tree. That's true. If you don't want to do the monthly thing, if you don't want to do $7, you want to do $1. You can Down. go You can go to Buy Me a Coffee. Uh, look, in, look on our Twitter page and link tree. You can go donate $1. And it all goes back to the show, and we really appreciate it. Because it's a lot of driving we got to do. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Speaking of driving, why don't we head off to the next state, which I don't know what it is right now, but we'll figure it out by the time we'll this comes out. We'll figure it out. Like That's I said, right. we all, we'll, just flip a, we'll flip a coin and... Or throw a dart at the map or something, you know? Let's throw a dart and figure out where we're going next. Anyway, that's all right, man. Well, let's hit the road, brother. 